Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Hello everybody and welcome to episode number 206 of Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, that's Cheryl. Hello everyone. And somewhere out there is Bill. Howdy, howdy. Just look left. You'll find him. All right, so <laughs> we've come to our second long topic episode since our rejuvenation in 2018. And tonight we're going to be talking about something that's integral to using your ham shack on Linux, and that is the ham lib. So Bill where's decided... Where's that ham lib? Well, I, it, everyone says it their own sort of way. Since it means library, I just say lib. I don't know if it's technically correct or not. <laughs> I, I actually have it documented. It can be said both ways, hamlib or hamlib. Okay, well, I'm going to go with hamlib. That's the way I say it because, like I said, it stands for library. So it makes the most sense to me. So what ham library is is a way to interface your rig in software with the applications that you use. And it is written in C. It is a dynamically linked library and can be built statically linked if you so desire. But generally speaking, if you install it from a package, it's dynamically linked. And that means it's reliant on other libraries, which is it uses uh, in the C lexicon. And it gives you an API or an application programmer interface to your rig. And it's usually based on serial control. So it keeps track of your data, input and output, things like your serial port parameters and information obtained from the rig, like, you know, what sideband it's on or what frequency it's on or things like that. So that's sort of what it is in a nutshell, but we're going to take a little bit deeper of a dive into it, Bill. So you can start off. I can start off. Or well, I guess you can all the thunder out of there, didn't you? Oh, I? <laughs> I'm sorry. Sack up, man. <laughs> no, yeah, ham live is so so important to everything you do with uh, you know getting that rig information to your logger or uh, your application. Um, it's it's used everywhere, like uh, Russ was saying, and uh, it's it's written really well. It's really active. The latest version is a uh, 3.1, I believe. Um, and uh, what it is is uh, it's it's a series of uh, uh, it's not really a, like a full blown application like you can't actually bring it up into a GUI and stuff like that. It actually provides uh, four utilities uh, with Hamlib. Uh, one of them being Rig Control, Rig CTL. Um, this is an interactive shell for access and testing uh, your rig connection. We also have Rig CTLD, which is the daemon that uh, exposes your rig as an API to another application via TCP, and that that's the interesting part. Um, and they also have uh, rotator control, so the same setup for rotators. Uh, if your rotator has a you know, serial port uh, access to it, you have a rot control, R-O-T-C-T-L, and that, again, is interactive shell, and then you have rot control D, which is the daemon. 
that uh, does the same thing via TCP. And uh, it's really neat if you've uh, if you want to get your rig running with Hamlib, you can do all your testing with Rig Control itself. It's a fully interactive shell program, and this works in either Windows, Mac, or Linux. Uh, you can run it with anything, and it has some real basic setups uh, settings. And if you just execute Rig Control on the command line, uh, it gives you basically a setup being in a dummy interface, so you can kind of see what it will actually do with the various commands. And if you go into rig control and just, you don't know what to do, it says rig command and just sits you there at a prompt. You could just hit the question mark. And of course it shows you um, all the options of things you can do. And you'll notice right away that the commands um, for rig control, they have set command and get commands. And they are almost, all the set commands are capital letters. And the, 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 the get commands are a lowercase of the same letter. So like uh, get frequency is a, a lowercase f. And set frequency is a capital F. So you would, uh, to set the frequency, you'd put capital F space and then your frequency in kilohertz. So it's, it's quite simple to actually just operate via this. So you can test to make sure that you have the right connection to your rig and the right rig uh, selected as your model number. And it uh, gives you a lot of kind of, uh, access to see what is actually developed for your rig. Now, I know Don in the chat room is complaining about the KX3. Uh, uh, seems to be doing some weird with the uh, with the was the filter width. Yeah, it looks like that when he sets the uh, sideband. And that actually is in the code. If you uh, if you are one to compile your code, you can actually go in and uh, take a look at the KX3 um, setting inside of the uh, Git repository. If you really want to get crazy. <laughs> And why not? Yeah. We get crazy on this show. Yeah, we do crazy on the show right now, and I'm kind of digging through it real quick here on the fly. And what is that? Elecraft or something like that? Elecraft? Elecraft KX2 or KX3, whichever one he said, KX3. Where's the Elecrafts in here? Why are they not listed right up front? If you want to see what rigs are available in your current version of Hamlib, you can do rig control or rig CTL. I guess we're going to say rig control when we mean rig CTL. Dash L. And that will list every rig that is available in your current version of Hamlib, which, as the Hamlib versions go up, there's more and more support for different rigs. So if yours isn't in there, you might want to try a newer version. Someone may have coded your particular rig in there. Most of the configuration that you need for your rig is you need the specific model number because it knows what commands need to be sent or received from the rig in order to properly get or set information, the TTY speed, the baud rate, the uh, parity bits, and the stop bits. It's a typical serial connection. So those are the minimum bits of information you need, and it recognizes rigs by their model number which is just defined arbitrarily in Hamlib. But if you need to find out what your model number is, you can just do rig control dash L, and then you can pipe it through a grep for your particular rig. And if it is supported, it will show up in the list, and it will give you the model number. Yeah, exactly. And I still can't find the stupid Elecraft. I don't even have a folder for it. <laughs> and I know I've downloaded 301 here, so it should have uh, Elecraft in here, but... But anyway, if you if you did have it and you could find the C file, uh, down about midway in the C file, you can see where the filter parameters are set. And they have some default parameters for uh, um, when it enter, enters into normal sideband mode, narrow sideband, and uh, wide sideband. 
And I know on my, like the FT450, when it goes in under normal, it sets the filter bandwidth at 2400 hertz. And then wide is 3000 and narrow is 1800. Um, there are additional steps on the rig. And if I wanted to change the kind of default setting, you can, you can adjust it here in the code. Of course, then you're running your own uh, compile of the code that's customized and you can't install, you know, the other version, the actual repo version over top of it. Otherwise it'll just wipe out your changes. Um, or you can also inside of rig control, set the uh, filter bandwidth, I believe as one of those commands. And let's see, filter, 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 filter. Do they have the filter? No, they don't have the filter. Interesting. Filter. Hey man, nice shot. <laughs> well, I guess not. Uh, but you can definitely do it in the code and uh, do a custom compile on your uh, on your particular rig. If you're having that kind of settings where you don't like the default settings, you could definitely override it in the code. And it's it's very it's very easy to read. It is straight C. Um, you know, nothing fancy. It's uh, pretty obvious what it's actually trying to do and accomplish. Uh, every rig is just a you know minimalistic, uh, basically a config file. Um, that the software reads so it knows how to talk uh, to the specific rig, um, you know, including, you know, setting default parameters for uh, power levels and filter widths and modes and what the rig does in certain modes. So, um, so yeah, so it, it's quite powerful. And uh, being an open source pro- project, you can also, you know, make changes to it and modify it for your needs. Um, what else was I going to say about that? I mean, not much else on, on the rig control itself. And the rig control D being TCP related, um, it does expose that as an actual um, port that you could then use from another computer. Which I know I have that down in our notes lower in the list, but that's the neat part about rig control D is that you can use it not only on the machine that you're running it on, which is the machine that's directly attached to the piece of equipment. You can run it on, let's say, a Raspberry Pi, uh, and transport that via TCP and talk to it with another computer somewhere else in the house or across the internet. Now, of course, if you want to transport audio, you'd have to look at doing some uh, audio transport as well with, uh, you know, either Pulse Audio or one of the other uh, one of the other audio libraries that allow you to uh, transport via socket the uh, or for via TCP your actual audio in and out. One thing I've done before that's not really related to Rig Control D. But if you want to control a rig remotely, you can also use the local version of the Hamlib and connect to it through an SSH tunnel. That's another way to do it. It's not quite as robust and it's a little slower because of the SSH overhead, but it is a way to do it. But having the accessibility through a TCP socket is nice because that way you can connect remotely. And you can also use Pulse Audio, like you said, to connect remotely. And I've, we did that at Hamvention and I did that at a couple of Hamfests last year where I had my rig you know, remotely operated from wherever I was, even though it was sitting back here in my office. So that is that is really a, a cool use of your thing, especially if you need unattended control, or not unattended control, but remote operator control of your machine. Yeah, you can use something very minimal, you know, like a Raspberry Pi or an Odroid or something like that to make that connection. Or, you know, maybe it's your desktop at home, like in your case, where you have a, a shack computer plugged right in, and you just want to operate it when uh, you're away without you know dragging everything out there. So um, yeah, it's it's one of the most uh, you know one of the most useful utilities um, that's out there in uh, the open source space for for doing rig control and uh, giving you that cat information. So you can plug it into programs 
that use Hamlib, like, you know, CQR log, FL Digi, WSJTX. Um, I know on Windows, I think DX Keeper can even use Hamlib. Um, of course, the Windows versions of FL Digi and WSJTX can use that. And uh, all your Mac OS, uh, Mac OS stuff will use it as well. I know, I think Rumlog, I think Rumlog does Hamlib as well. They might have their own interface, but I'm pretty certain they have a ham interface as well. That is the nice thing about the open source part of it. Because it can be built on any platform, any application can use the API that's exposed by Hamlib. So even a Windows application can use Hamlib to talk to the rig. For example, like FL Digi is cross-platform, but that always uses Hamlib to do the actual rig interface. So right. um, that that's a useful feature of Hamlib as well. And it's all, since it basically just exposes an API... Any application can use it, ones that other people have written, ones that you want to write, and it's really pretty simple. And if you go to the repo where they keep the the files for building the source, they also have the API documentation. So you can see what commands are actually available to the API if you wanted to write a program that communicated with Hamlib and, and thus to your rig for, for access to it. Even if you just wanted to use a, a basic rig control-like command to report the you know frequency that your radio is on on a website or something like that it'd be very easy to do with hamlib yeah you can make a little slack bot or a or a you know twitter bot or something like that that just constantly annoys people and tells them <laughs> tells you what frequency my hey my radio is listening on this frequency um but uh yeah the the the, the code itself is, is really well documented except for finding the kx3 <laughs> they have uh, a lot of good readmes for uh, developing and compiling inside of uh, Windows and OS X and, uh, of course, uh, Linux. And then they have uh, their plans and everything else, and I think this is something you wanted to touch on. Maybe. Yeah. No, I do, but I, I was doing something else where I was actually trying to look at the source of the code. While... Okay. I can talk <laughs> about the plan. So okay. the nice thing is they do have a development plan here, so it's kind of like their blueprint for what they're really wanting to do. And their plan for the whole project is Hamlib is intended to provide the means to control any capable rig. And they've been pretty good about getting the latest, greatest on here. I see even the 7610 from ICOM is, is in the ICOM folder in my particular checkout that I have here. They want to develop the library as a shared static library. They want it to be portable. They want to continue that portability between platforms and Linux uh, and Unix and, uh, well, I guess I but Unix, <laughs> Linux and uh, um uh, BSD, Win32, uh, using SigWin, of course. And uh, they want to be good, be generic. So uh, they'll try to cover anything and everything. Um, I'm not sure if they're constantly looking for people to help out and do development on it or set up new rigs, but uh, you know, you can definitely get a hold of the authors and do that. Uh, they want to use uniform data types and units. So they want to use you know proper units for power, like watts and stuff like that. Um, they want to be able to have it be wrappable, you know, being an API, they want it to be able to be encapsulated inside of some other language and have an interface to that API that those other languages can use like Java, C++, Perl, and Python. Uh, they support serial ports, IRDA ports, USB ports, network ports. Uh, they want to be thread safe, support, uh, more than one rig per application, per serial port in the case of ICOMs where they can uh, share multiples with the CIV. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, they just, they're just really got yeah, a really well documented kind of guiding document for the, the, the application itself. Yeah. I'm still trying to find Elecraft. Okay. Here it is. I found it. Where's it at? 
Is it actually an Ellicraft folder? It's actually under Kenwood. Oh, well, that's not good. <laughs> they have the K3. No, those, oh, well, I guess that's the K3, huh? They have a KX3? The KX3 is included. It's rig model number 229. Okay. And it's uh, using the K3 file. Yep. So yeah, I, Ellicraft, I, I, Well, no, the K3 is a different rig. Oh, Ellicraft. There's an Ellicraft C here, too. Well, KX3, Jeez, right? Yeah, the KX3 is the one we're looking for. Uh, let's see. KX. That's a strange place to Yeah, it's it. in KX, K3 and KX3 are, are in K3.C. Okay, so I must have, like, the similar uh, similar setup. So, yeah, if I look at the K, uh, K3 and then I look at the uh, filtering, they have a uh, filter width for mode SSB. By default, looks like the normal one is 2.7, so 2,700 uh, kilohertz, and uh, 2.8 or 2700 hertz. So yeah, 2.7 kilohertz, 2.8 is for wide, and 1.8 is for narrow. narrow. Yep. So 2.8 so, is not much wider than normal. <laughs> yeah, that's normally, yeah, normally you do like two, well, I guess, yeah, I, I don't know on this particular rig. Um, yeah, wide would normally be like three or something like that. Normal, maybe 2400, so 2.4. So it does seem kind of weird, but maybe that's just the best, the way it works on the K3, at least for the K3 owners. And they've defaulted that to that for for them specifically. The KX3 it might be slightly different depending upon the sound that comes out of that particular speaker and how it sounds on the radio. It is worth noting, I think, that the KX3, the K3, and other Elecraft models are based on Kenwood, so they obviously use the same command set when communicating to the rig. So the nice thing about the coding is it allows you to um, overload definitions. So if you have a rig, so like Alinco also uses similar things. They actually have similar connections. I don't know if they use similar commands when discussing, when, you know, talking back and forth between the radios and stop. Uh, there is uh, an Alinco directory in the Hamlib, so that would suggest not. But yeah, me, that's for the see. DX77. Right. Let me see what it includes. So, yeah, apparently Alinco, yeah, has its own command set. So it is not similar to a Kenwood. But Elecraft is similar to Kenwood, and apparently several other things, too. Yeah, uh, that's not surprising. I mean, uh, some of those, uh, like the Shigu rigs or something like that, I think they all have, they use the ICOM uh, command set, so you can do cat control with the uh, ICOM settings. Yeah, I also see the IC10, which, isn't that an ICOM? Um, not sure about that. What is the IC10? And I also see the R5000. That doesn't sound like a Kenwood rig. Yeah, they had a receiver. Oh, they had a receiver? Okay. Yeah, the IC10 interface is that little box you used to get for uh, plugging into some of the older rigs, like the 940, the 811, at 7, uh, 711, and the TS440. You used to have to have that little standalone box. Okay, all right. To give you cat control. Right. But interestingly, also in the Kenwood subdirectory of the source code is Flex. So apparently, Flex Radio uses the same command set. Yeah, it looks like the Flex 10,000 set does. 6,000... Looks like their SDR1K uses uh, their own proprietary library. So yeah, so it's it's yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you can kind of tell how stuff is shared across the project when you start digging into the uh, Git repo of the the software. But we don't need to dig, I think, any more in the details of this. <laughs> we did dive pretty deep, but if you do want to see the source on a Debian distribution, for example, or an Ubuntu distribution, you can do apt dash d source and then libhamlib or libhamlib-dev, and it will actually download the source for you. And that that's uh, a utility that you can use for any application on a 
Debian Linux based system to actually build from source if you if you want. But if you just want to download, you give it the dash D flag, and that allows you to to get the source and then archive it or unarchive it, and then browse through at your leisure, just so you can see kind of how everything is put together. Yeah. So one more thing we just want to touch on before we uh, move off this topic is uh, problems that you can run into with uh, using rig control and also rotator control. This would be the same thing. A lot of people I hear, you know, on the forums and on Twitter and everything else, I can't get, I keep getting access denied when I'm, I'm connecting to my serial port or they'll say, I can't see my serial ports. And this is because uh, on your system, your Linux system, they have uh, the dial out user or the dial out group is not assigned to you as a user. So you need to add your that group to your user so you can actually talk to serial ports. And uh, we have that documented on our uh, on our uh, uh, YouTube channel on the video where we actually interface the rig with CQR log and Hamlib. So uh, check that out. And uh, another thing would be baud rate. A lot of people don't know that uh, certain radios come with a certain baud rate set from the factory. Even though you might think it runs 38400 or 19200, it probably is running something different. Like, uh, I know the FT450 runs uh, 4,800 baud by default, and my ICOM 703 runs 9,600 baud by default. You can change that on the rig itself, but you need to make sure that your baud rate in the rig control matches that of the actual rig, so it will talk properly. You might get some some information back, and if you run the command line utility, you'll probably see uh, some garbage coming back from the interface, and that's normally an indication that the baud rate is wrong. So make sure you have your baud rate set up and uh, your parity and stop bits and stuff like that. Normally, that's all pretty standard, so you don't have to mess with that. But the baud rate is the one that is the uh, the moving one. And then, of course, make sure you, you check that your rig is supported with that, uh, what is it, the TAC-M? Or, or what was the uh, command for that again? Uh, rig CTL-L. Yep, so the rig. So make sure your rig is listed in support or you know what it's compatible with. Uh, and like I said, like the Jaigu rigs with uh, from China there are ICOM compatible, and apparently the the K3 and KX3 and stuff like that have some compatibility with Kenwood, but you probably couldn't run it as like a you know a, a TS2000. You probably want to run it as the K3. So uh, yeah, check that. Make sure you have permissions to see your serial port, and you'll be off to the races using Hamlib. And just to jump back real quick to the thing about the dialout group, the easiest way to do that is if you pop open a terminal window, you can just type sudo add user your username dialout, and that will add you to the dialout user group. It basically just adds the entry into or updates the entry in the group file slash etsy slash group, and you will have to log out of your session or your terminal or whatever or your X session and re-log in for that to take effect. Just because you've added yourself to the group doesn't mean it is available as soon as you do it. So make sure you log out and back in, and then you will have access to anything in the dialogue group, which would include serial interfaces and USB serial interfaces. Very important uh, when dealing with HamLive. Yep. So what else do we want to talk about HamLive? <laughs> I, I can't really think of anything else. I mean, I think we did a good uh, comprehensive coverage of it. Um, you know, it is what it is. It's a, it just basically sits in between the application and the hardware. And it's a, it's an important piece to have if you if you want to have that uh, rig control from your application. Um, there are other things out there like uh, what uh, I've seen like uh, Omni Rig is one. Um, Trying to think of Windows or for Linux. Linux typically they can direct connect a lot of uh, software like FL Digi and WSJTX. 
have their own control software in for certain rigs. Normally that support is much limited um, to specific rigs, probably whatever the author was using <laughs> or uh, whoever got in there early in the project, and that's what they have. So uh, this is kind of like uh, the 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 uh, the glue that fits between everything, and um, yeah, I would uh, I would take a look at Hamlib if you're not using it and you are using programs like CQR Log, FL Digi, and WSJTX, and you're just typing in your frequency and stuff like that. It's not that hard to get set up and running, and uh, as long as your rig actually has a cat control, it's uh, it's the way to go. It's probably worth noting that when you use a certain application that accesses Hamlib, the application itself may have its own defaults for your rig, not necessarily the ones based on Hamlib. I know FL Digi does this. It defaults the communication from ITS570D to 57600 8N1, but FreeDV, on the other hand, defaults to 9600 8N1, and it's easy to get tripped up by that. You yeah, can. Generally, if you're using Hamlib, um, you don't need even have, need to have the the um, the baud rate there. You just type in the uh, local host and colon the port number, and it doesn't use any of that stuff. Right, but this is in the application itself. If you go into the, oh, yeah, the yeah, configuration yeah. mode and say, I want to set up a Kenwood TS570D, then the default, at least in FLDG, is a baud rate of 57600, which your TS570 may or may not be set to. And... You know, you can either change it in the software or you can change it in the rig, whichever one suits your purpose better. But like I said, some applications have different defaults for the baud rate that is set to. And I've had the occasion where, you know, I'd switch from FreeDV or FLDG to, you know, QSSTV or something like that. And it doesn't work because the baud rate in the application is set to something different. So it's, it's worth noting that it does have to match. And you'll find out pretty quickly if they don't match because your rig simply will not work. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is the advantage of using, uh, you know, rig control D is that you don't have to worry about knowing, you know, those settings and you don't have to worry about, oh, I left my WSJTX running. I got to turn that off because it's locking this, the COM port or, uh, you know, plugging in FL Digi or something else. So, uh, yeah, definite advantage for using uh, Hamlib. And it is open source. It is actively developed. We, when we started talking about this show, I think it was like in zero point something days, and now it's into the early 3.1s. So, and there's always new features, new tweaks, new bug fixes, and new rig support. And when you do a rig control dash L, it will tell you what state the support for that particular rig is, whether it's, you know, tested and working stably, or if it's in beta mode, or if it's in alpha mode, or if it's basically just untested. Someone, you know, wrote the, the include file and said this probably should work but it may not you know your mileage may vary so just keep an eye on that too because even though it's listed as supported it may or may not actually work yeah there's lots in there that are untested beta and alpha so <laughs> your mileage may vary absolutely so let's check the chat room we have a few folks in there happily chatting away we have uh, don casey 9 zmy we have uh, w1rcp who just showed up and we have Dave, KB0OWD. And uh, I actually saw AC8RS actually just logged in a little bit ago, too. So welcome, everybody, to the chat room. Hopefully you're all listening to the stream so you can hear that. And uh, if anybody has any questions or comments about our you know deep-ish look into HamLive, we'd love to have them now, or anything else for that matter, before we move on to our announcements and feedback. Waiting for stream delay. <laughs> <laughs> or 
participant delay, whichever. Yeah. <laughs> What's the link for the Patreon, too? The link for the Patreon. Patreon.com slash what? LHS podcast? LHS podcast, I believe. Yep. <clears throat> Pretty straightforward there. Put that in the chat room for www.patreon.com stroke LHS podcast in the HTTPS. It is a secure link. Super secure, super secure. <laughs> Alrighty, let's do announcements and feedback. Alright, so we can move on to announcements and feedback and don't let that discourage anyone. If a question comes to your mind before we sign off here, feel free to just pop it into the chat room and we'll go back to it. No problem at all. So since Cheryl's been kind of uh, sitting over there leisurely ignoring all of us, We'll let you uh, read some of the feedback. How about that? But I'm playing Be Brilliant. Well, that's okay. You can pause Be Brilliant for a little while. Uh, all right. All right. All right. So the first comment was on the LHS Shop Top Shop Talk episode two from Jeff. He said, "Great show, guys. You got me craving some cigars. I went to Cigars International and ordered up some. I also picked up a Moretti lighter. Unfortunately." Here in good old California, Amazon's not allowed to send me butane, so I'll have to buy it locally. Anyway, was wondering if you use any kind of air purifier in your garage shop to keep things fresh and to keep the smoke detector from going off. Ha ha, love the new show. <laughs> so I let, let me answer that. No, and well, it stinks no. out there. <laughs> For my garage slash shop, it is opening the door. That's that's the filter. It still stinks out there. <laughs> well, the, my, the door hasn't the same. Hasn't had an opportunity to be open much lately, so yeah, with the cold weather and stuff like that, I, I actually keep my garage doors open and I run a fan as well. Um, it's on the other side of the garage, just kind of pushing air around in the garage, so it's not that bad. It doesn't get in the house or anything like that, but uh, it uh, it does it does smell the garage up a little bit. But I'm the only one that really comes out here. Yeah, it's the same with me, but also it's uh, what was I going to say? Oh. Yeah, all of these comments came from YouTube, the videos that we've been posting on YouTube, the shop talks and Bill's uh, reposting of his building an Ubuntu Hamshack PC. So I want to thank everybody who's begun subscribing over on YouTube, and we are going to put some more stuff out there. And I would also like to point out that the shop talk episodes actually have open source Linux and ham radio content in them. It's not just us goofing off the whole time. So they are, they are actually worth watching. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Cheryl gets enough of it, so she doesn't have to watch them. That's right. You don't have to watch it. If you yeah. Russ is like, have you been watching them? I'm like, no. He's like, do you want to participate? And I was like, I don't know. Do I? He's like, you can sit. The- I- and I told him, I'm not going to go out there and sit there and endure your cig- you know, cigar smoke. <laughs> He's like, you can sit in the house, ding dong. And I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do it via, you know, teleconferencing, basically, via Skype. Yeah. So yes. so we could do it via Hangout or whatever, and you could participate from in here. <sighs> whatever. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you're, it's a good sell. <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't think that's working. But anyway, we can move on. Let's hit the next one. Okay. Hang on. So the next one is a comment on building your Ubuntu Hamshack computer part two. The tweak for adding the dial-out group permissions was solid gold. Thank you so much. Loving the series. Running mini mate, uh, mate excuse me, on an old tough book, and it's amazing how brisk the system is compared to Windows 7. Duh. Sorry, that was my own yeah. addition there. Ed- editorializing there. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing you guys again at Hamvention 73, Rich, AJ9H. All right. Very good. That is, that's, uh, we talked about it actually earlier in this episode, but the dialogue group can, can really trip you up if you're not 
aware of the permission issue. So hopefully we've beat that into the ground and everyone will never be bothered by dial-out ever again. Until the next person logs on and went, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> well, <laughs> And you'll have to go, go watch then the you videos. you have to go watch the video or check yep. out the back catalog. We've yep. only talked about it a million times. Yeah, yes, yes. So. we mentioned it all the time too. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I answer uh, like uh, in Reddit posts and stuff like that. You know, somebody mentions that oh, I can't get to my com port. I'm I'm the first one to go there. You're like, oh yes, cut and paste. Here you go. <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> Check out our video series, right? <laughs> and the last one is comment on building your Ubuntu Hamshack computer part four. Another cool video, Bill. Thanks again for including these very helpful or yeah, very helpful terminal and SQL commands. It really helps a noob like me. Seven three rich eight J A J nine H. Yeah, that's great to hear. It is great to hear. And obviously Rich is enjoying your building an Ubuntu Hamshack PC. So now I'm wondering if Rich has an Ubuntu Hamshack PC. He should after watching the video series. Well he's running Maybe. things, so that's yep. the closest right. thing. Yeah, you <laughs> said. He's running Mini Mate. Mint. Mint. Or Mint, Mint. excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, mini Mate. I, I have got to get my glasses changed. <laughs> well, actually, let me just... I like that. They might want to rebrand that. That sounds pretty cool. Mini yeah, Mate. Mini, mini, mini Mate, yeah. It's like a latte or something like that. Ooh, I can read now. I've <laughs> they can get Michael the, Myers to sell it. Yeah, it's a Mini Mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently my, uh, my text on the Etherpad was at 80%. So I wasn't able oh, okay. to, yeah. <laughs> now it's at a hundred, and I can read great. It's almost now. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. All right. Yeah, well, we're gonna keep on trying to put some more content up there. So uh, keep your eyes out, and uh, we'll uh, click the subscribe button. And, and if, uh, if you really want annoying, go ahead and hit the bell. Right, hit the bell. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're just listening to the audio part of this, we have been trying and will continue to try to put out more video content so get over there and subscribe on youtube even if you're not going to get a chance to watch it very often go over there and pump up our numbers so we can have a real youtube you know press presence yeah youtube keeps changing those rules so yeah well youtube whatever (laughs) oh look and cleewick showed up right at the end of course (laughs) oh Oh, no he's been in here yeah cleewick is done (laughs) yeah no that's right he's been in here i wonder what happened He's uh, connecting from every device in the house now. (laughs) (laughs) He's done washing dishes and has moved on to a different room. Yeah, that's right. All right, so unless we have any feedback in the chat room really quick, we are going to wrap this thing up and call it episode number 206. So I'll just pause here dramatically for comments from the chat room. (laughs) Dum-da-dum. Crickets, crickets. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't have any sound effects right now, so. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) What happened to your Jeopardy theme? Uh, I still haven't converted the soundboard over. Nice, so. Sam. All right, uh, so I guess that's it. We're going to call it. So until next time, and next time is when? Episode number 207 is Thursday or Monday? Monday. It's Monday. Monday. Yep, all right. So episode number 207 will be on Monday, February, whatever Monday is, uh, 5th. Third? I think it's the 5th. The 5th. And when were you coming back from New Hampshire? 6th? Um, yeah, 6th. Guess what's the 5th? Except I'm not going to New Hampshire. Yeah, you're so. not going to New Hampshire now. <laughs> yeah, I know. So. All right. So that's it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, everybody, who joined us in the chat room. And we will catch you all in a week's time. Talk to you all later. 73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. 
Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out. Linux in the Ham Shack and the Linux in the Ham Shack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribute Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.